You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Great. Well, I'm going to turn us to the Bible today. Uh, if you're visiting, don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. It's going to come up on the screen. If you do have a Bible, uh, a physical Bible or on your phone device, I'm going to encourage you to turn with me to the Old Testament and to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4, and we are going to read the first part of the story of the Shunammite woman, the, the woman who was from Shunem in the land of Israel. And uh, this is what the Bible says. This is 2 Kings chapter 4, breaking in at verse 8. One day, can we all say one day? One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let us make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. And Gehazi said she had no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the title of my message today is Making Room for God. I wonder if we can say that together. Making Room for God. You know, this lady, she made room for God. He was passing by, and she urged him to stay. And then she goes a step further, and they literally make room for a man of God. And in so doing, they make room for God, and her world begins to turn upside down. I want to encourage us today in our lives, whatever stage we might be on a journey of faith, and we might be in church today, and we have no faith in God, we might be on a journey where we are growing in the things of God. I want to encourage all of us to consider how we can make room for God in our lives. In the busyness of life and the challenges of life, it's so easy to give away the idea of making room for God. The truth is we, we make room for different things in our lives, don't we? You know, I know some people, it, it takes them a long time to get out of the house because there are certain things that they have to do as regard to their appearance, uh, whether it's to fix their hair or straighten their hair or do their makeup or a certain level of grooming and presentation uh, it has to happen before they leave the house and they always leave the house immaculate in the same way and somehow they always make room for it. Now even if they get up late, somehow they make room for that thing. You know, I know some people who go to the gym you know, they've got busy lives, but they make room to do that. I know some people who get up super early 
and they go down to the gym and they do their thing, they do their running and they work out and then they, they stretch down and they warm down and they shower and get dressed and they go on to work and they do it several days a week, but they make room for that. You know, I'm the sort of person, I, I need to make some room for some of that in my life. Just give me a wave if, if uh, you're like a gym rat, you, you enjoy going to the gym, that's your thing. You go there. I'm sure there's a few more of you that enjoy something to do with fitness. You make room for it. There are some of you, it doesn't matter what you ate for starter or for main course, you can always make room for pudding. Who knows what I'm talking about? There's some of you, my wife claims to have a separate stomach for pudding. Now, even when the other one is completely full, there is always room for pudding. In fact, she doesn't have to make room, there is always room. Somehow we can do it. You know, recently I, I made room for the World Cup in my life. I don't know if some of you made room for the World Cup. You know, I don't normally watch a lot of football. My life is pretty hectic, but somehow I managed to make room because we make room for the things that matter to us. In fact, right at the start of the year, we looked at the tournament schedule. We looked at England's grouping and we looked at where there might be a clash uh, with some of the things we might put in the church diary, and we carefully scheduled things so there were no clashes up to the semi-final stage. But on me of little faith, I thought there's no way we're going to get beyond the quarterfinals, so from semi-final onwards, we're good to go. And we scheduled some training for some leaders on the semi-final night of England's game. But who knows that we rescheduled that training, and uh, we, we, we made room. You know you can make room for what you need to make room for. In our lives, we make room for different things. It's the prioritization of what matters to us. And here in this story, we see a woman who makes room for a man of God, and in so doing, she makes room for God. You see, if we understand the Bible right, we see that the stories in the Old Testament, they are shadows and types to teach us principles of how we can understand and access the things of God. They're not just history stories of what happened there. They're not make-believe stories. They are there to unlock principles into our life. You see, in those days, God's representation on the earth was the men of God. It was the prophets and, and it was the kings. It was those anointed to serve in a certain way. And, and if you wanted to have access to God, you really had to go through the appointed people. But thank God in these days, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and ascended to the Father, has poured out His Spirit upon all people that we may come straight before God. So we don't have to make room for a man of God or a woman of God. But in the same way, this Shunammite lady made room, made room for the man of God. I want to challenge us to make room for God Himself. The Bible says she was a well-to-do woman, the the, the word in the Hebrew really means great. It's, it's gadol. Uh, some of the translations say she was a prominent woman or she was an important woman. She was a wealthy woman. There was this idea that she had some prominence in Shunem, in the city where she was. But we don't need to be put off by that. Even though this prominent lady made room for God, we don't need to have prominence around our lives. If we draw anything from the story, it's the fact that this woman was not the normal sort of person that Elisha hung out with. 
If you read everywhere else, Elisha was in the presence of kings. Elisha was in the presence of other prophets. These were the people he was hanging out with. This was not a normal place, and yet she made room for him, and he went there. And the moral of that story is it doesn't matter who you are, you can make room for God. If you make room for God, he may come in. And so the Bible says in verse 9 that she said to her husband, I know this is a holy man of God. The original word is really not know, but perceive. She says to her husband, I perceive this is a holy man of God. It suggests to us that maybe she had him into her home as a traveler and he didn't talk much about what his business was, but she sensed something on his life. She said, I perceive this is a holy man of God. There was something on Elisha's life that she wanted to make room for. You know, when I was 17 years of age, I stepped inside a church like this for the very first time, and I was impacted by the presence of God. I couldn't have told you then it was the presence of God, but there was something. There was something I was drawn to. There was something that I wanted in my world. There was something that I couldn't just walk away and ignore. There's something I had to begin to explore. And I think here she says, I perceive. Can we all say perceive? I perceive this is a holy man of God. And so she turns to her husband and she says, I, I want us to make room to do something. I think she's saying, I want to be around that. We need that in our lives. We need that in our home. You know, for me, I went on a journey of faith as a young guy and started to make room for the things of God. I want to ask you today, are you making room for God? Are you making room in your life for God and the things of God? Are you creating an environment where God is welcome? You know, over this morning, as uh, Esther has said, we, we prayed for 13 little ones. We've spoken the blessing of God over their lives and we, we gathered the families together a few weeks ago and we talked about raising up children. We talked about how to be godly moms and godly dads, how we might create an environment where children can grow in the blessing of God. And I believe in speaking a blessing over people. I believe there is power in our words and so it delights me today that we would speak a blessing over these little ones. But what we said on that afternoon gathering was, while we believe in the power of impartation and blessing, how much more significant is the environment that you create in your home? Because one word spoken on one day is not as powerful as to whether you are making room in your family. Whether your family is going to be a place where, where God is welcomed where you sit down for food and you stop to give thanks and recognize that everything in your life comes from the hand of the Almighty. An environment where, where prayer is not a last resort but a first thought. An environment in, in family homes where little ones are, are nurtured in the things of God. These are the decisions and we, we encourage the families. And this is what they did today in making their prayers. They're saying, Lord, we, we dedicate this little one to you, but we also, we dedicate ourselves to try and bring these little ones up in the ways of God. We're making room for God in our family. I can remember when our children were, were little, when we had our first son, Sam, and, and our worlds changed. When you have a baby, your world changes. You never realize how much it's going to change until the baby comes. Who knows what I'm talking about? doesn't matter how much you try and prepare yourself. You can't really prepare yourself for that. What used to take you five minutes to get out of the house, now it's taken an hour and five minutes. And yet we also had to decide what sort of environment we were going to create 
for our children to grow up in. I'd like to draw things out, three things out of this story here today. Firstly, making room for God requires proactivity. Can we all say proactivity? Making room for God requires proactivity. It's like anything in life, nothing just happens. Things happen that we make a decision about. Things happen when we implement them, when we, we make a choice, when we do something. You know, Elisha didn't just turn up at this lady's house. She, the Bible says, urged him to come in and to eat with them. There was something. She laid hold of the opportunity. It might have been that he was a traveler. She could have left that business to somebody else in Shunem. But the Bible says she urged him to come. And such it was that whenever he went that way, that was the house that he stayed in. And then the Bible says that she, she talked to her husband about doing something more. She wasn't passive. She was persuasive. You know, if you want God's presence in your life, you're going to need to do something about it. I do believe God, God is not difficult to persuade, to invade our lives. I believe God longs with the fullness of his heart to come in and fully dwell, but he will not force his way in. The Bible says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. There is something of the ball that has been put in our court to do something, to create an environment, to make room for God to come. And so this lady, she says to her husband, I have noticed uh, that this is a man of God and she's had an idea. She says, I think we could do a loft conversion. I think we could put a room for him so that whenever he comes by, and she, she must have thought, I perceive this is a holy man of God. What would a holy man of God need? And so she says, can we not make a space where there's going to be a bed and a, and a desk and a table and a lamp, something where a man of God might be able to come? The Bible says, you see, that, that he stopped to eat there. But she said, if we do that, then maybe he could stay. You see, she'd urged him to stop, but she wanted him to stay. I hope you're hearing me today because we can live our lives in such a way that we want God to stop in our world when we need him, but are we going to engineer our lives so that he might stay? This is what the lady did. You know, sometimes we might reach out and cry out to God. We might have a desperate situation. We call on God. A bit like in Mark 10, there's a blind man called Bartimaeus, and the Bible says he cries out to God. He, he cries out to Jesus. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's sitting there by the roadside. He's heard that Jesus is passing by, and he wants to stop Jesus in his tracks. He wants to have an encounter. He wants Jesus to interact with him and, and change his world. And people try and pipe him down and say, shut up, just quieten down, won't you? And he's, the Bible says he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says, Jesus stopped. I was talking to a friend recently called Keith, who he's, he's not a, a believer in Christ, but he's on a journey in his spiritual walk. And he became sick. And, and, I, and I met up with him and, and he said, Martin, I, I began to pray to God. There was an urgency in his world. He, he got fearful over a situation of his health and it provoked him to pray to do something he'd never done before. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, many people, we, we might cry out to God when things are desperate because Keith needed God to help him. He wanted God to stop in that sense. 
A bit like Elijah, Elisha, sorry, had stopped for the woman, but there's something in her heart that wanted him to stay. I think she's saying there's something on his life that, that we need in our home. There's something within us. You know, I look back, I was 17 years of age when I became a Christian. I cannot remember what I did on a Sunday morning before I went to church. I, I tried to think about it last night. And I literally, I, I don't know, I must have done something on a Sunday morning. But I've been going to church on a Sunday morning for so long now, I literally can't recall what I did. But I know that there was a time in my life where I made room to come to the house of God. Something started to stir within me. I, I then remember hearing the message of the cross, that Jesus had died for my sins. And, and I remember wrestling over a period of time, grappling with this message, but then making room in my heart for God and inviting him to come in and dwell and I made him not just savior but lord of my life I then remember that I I was aware I needed to begin to grow in my discipleship and I started to make room to pray I started to make room in my life to read the bible I started to adjust some things I can remember making making room in my friendship circle so that I had some friends that I was hanging out with who also loved God who were on the same trajectory that I was, who was trying to live in the way that I was beginning to learn to live. And you know, I used to go to church, and every week I was excited to be in church because that was a place where I could encounter the presence of God. But then I started to realize, talking to other people, I didn't need to wait for Sunday morning. Although I could look forward to Sunday morning, I could access the presence of God in my life 24-7. And I started to make room for some other things. I started to learn to be a worshiper. I started to learn to walk with God in the ordinary affairs of life 24-7. I, I started to learn to pray and fast and to press in. And I, I made room for these things. What am I saying to my friend today? I, I'm saying, wherever you are at on a journey of faith, are you making room for God? Maybe in your life you're you're like one of those people that has turned to prayer in the desperate situations. It's like, oh God, would you just stop at this moment and, and help us? And yet actually, there's an opportunity that you might orientate your life, that he would stay, that he would dwell, that he would do more than stop, that he would be among you. But you know, it requires proactivity. We have to make a decision. And it's in moments like this, it's in services like this, we can make a decision on how we're going to shape and orientate our lives, the sort of lives we're going to live, the sort of people that we're going to be. The second thing I want to draw out of this story is that making room for God releases favor. Can we all say favor? It releases favor. You know, I, I need to be careful here because we're never going to preach on this pulpit, give in order to get. Uh, and yet, you can't escape the reality of Scripture that those who make room for God, those that love God, those that orientate and shape their lives around God and the things of God, the favor of God comes upon them. I've seen it over 30 years of, of walking as a Christian and most of that in ministry. You see people who shape their lives to make room for God and the favor of God comes upon their lives. This is what happens with the Shunammite woman. She makes room for God and the favor of God comes. You know, Elisha's there. He's enjoying the benefits of the provision. He's there. The, the Bible says in his room. Elisha, uh, one day it says Elisha's there in his room. So they've created this room, but it's now his room. And he's there. He's enjoying the benefits of provision in Shunam. And he starts to think to himself, I wonder if we could do something for the lady. 
And so he calls to Gehazi, he says, hey, could you call the Shunammite? And, and he says, I wonder, could we put in a word for you? You know, you see, Elisha's incredibly well connected. He's a man of influence. He's, he's God's man in Israel. He's got direct access to the king, to the command of the army. And he says to her, I wonder if we could put in a word for you, uh, maybe with the king, may, maybe with the, the command of the army. And you know, she says in, in response, she says, you know, I, I have a home among my own people. You know what she's saying? She's saying, I'm all good. I don't need for anything. I, I don't want for anything. I have a home among my own people. And, you know, she shows her motive. She's not made room for God and the man of God in order to get something from him. She just wanted his presence in her home. And I want to encourage us. We might be the sort of people that, that go after God for God. I've decided in my life I, I must have God in my life. Not because I, I am after something from him but because I desire his presence and yet I can't run away from the fact that when I make room for him, the favor of God comes. And so Elisha says to Gehazi, I don't know what can we do for this woman. And Gehazi says, well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed she, she ain't got no son and her, her husband isn't as young as he used to be. And Elisha goes, hmm, call the Shunammite. And he calls the Shunammite and he says, about this time next year, you're going to hold a son in your arms uh, and the version we read it says man of god do, do not mis mislead me but really other translations capture it well she said don't raise my hopes and what happens here is elisha puts his finger on a dream that she's buried she says to him i have a home among my own people she says i don't need for anything and yet the reality she's had a dream she had a dream that she's now let go. You know, sometimes to move on in life, we, we have to bury a dream. Sometimes we can hold on to some things. And we hold on to it for so long. And then there comes a point where, we're, where we, we actually we have to say, God, is this thing still alive? Because it's alive, you should hold on to it. But if you're not sure, sometimes we have to bury it and say, God, if you want to raise that up, you raise that up. But I need to move on with my life. Who knows what I'm talking about? And I think this, this is what the Shunammite has done. She's, she's had a dream, but she's buried her dream. And, and then she says, I'm good. I'm not after anything. I'm just delighted you're staying here. And he says, about this time next year, you'll have a son in your arms. She's like, don't, like don't, don't get my hopes up. Don't dig up that dream. I've learned to live without that. But it came to pass. And she had a son. And the dream that she'd buried, it's resurrected because the favor of God comes on our life because she'd made room for God in her world. This is how God works. About five years ago, I, I was speaking at a church in Leicester and I was on the front row on a Sunday morning and I looked up and there was a lady playing the keyboard and, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and, and say, Sing, O Baron. And, I, and in my spirit, I saw her with two boys. And I had this clear sense that God was speaking to me that this woman couldn't have children, but she was going to have two boys. And I wanted to speak this out, but I thought, what if I've misheard God? What if this isn't right? And it turns out she's got five kids. And so I, in my kind of concern, I leant over to the pastor and I said, you know the lady on the keyboard, I've never been foot, set foot inside that church before, you know the lady on the keyboard, does she have kids? And they replied, they said, oh Martin, they, they would so love children, it's been such a long journey, I said, don't say anymore. 
And before I started to speak, I, I called this lady out and I said, is your husband here? And she said, yeah, he's over here. I said, look, I've got to be honest. I felt the Lord speak to me over your life that you've desired to have children and it's not happened for you. But I've seen you with two boys. But you need to keep on singing. You need to keep worshiping. You need to keep making room for God. But the favor of God is going to come on your life. A year to the day of that word, they held their first son in, in their hands. A miracle happened. And then literally a, a week or so ago, I got an email through from the pastor who wrote this. A few years ago, you spoke at our church. You had a word for Jane, one of my worship team. You saw her with two children, both boys. She and her husband were unable to have kids. She has just given birth to her second son. I thought you'd like to know. Thanks be to God. And she said, his name is Luke Charles Arthur Cowley. And I wrote back and said, why did, you not, why did they not call him Martin? <laughs> why am I saying it today? I'm saying the favor of God will come on our lives if we make room for God. But we have to be proactive. It requires a decision. I don't know if you, if you want to walk in the favor of God. You know, I've never gone after God for the favor of God, but we cannot deny the favor of God on our lives. Recently, we celebrated 21 years of marriage and we went out for dinner on our wedding anniversary and we're just reminiscing about the kindness of God. God has been so good to us. The provision of God, the, the doors that he's opened for us, the, the help that he's brought into our lives, how he healed one of our kids when they were, when they were little. We've We've seen so much of the favor of God. And we were talking like even this year. You know, for, for me, when, when I was a, a kid, we, we never went outside the UK. I was 19 before I went on a plane. And it's not a big deal, but, you know, this year to be over in Singapore and Malaysia, speaking to thousands of people. Esther had just come back from Lebanon, seeing God doing an incredible work in lives in the Middle East. And I just got an invitation that day to go to Lambeth Palace for a, for a meeting with leaders in the nation to talk about how we bring the good news of Jesus. And, and I say none of that to say anything to myself, but we know where we came from. We, we had nothing. We were nothing. We just made room for God. And we started to share the stories of the goodness of God. You know, if you'd have come to our wedding when we got married, we talk about a wedding on a shoestring. Anybody who did anything was somebody doing a favor. You know, a photographer was just a guy who had a camera that we knew. There was a, you know, the, there was a lady who was a harpist who was over from France in our church. And we said, look, if, would you play the harp? I mean, getting a harpist at your wedding, that's pretty cool, right? And I, we said, like, look, would you come and play? We can give you a, a jacket potato. You know, that's like, that was it. That was it. And we just rallied people. We, we, you know, we had such a simple wedding. We set off with nothing, but we made room for God. And why do I say that? I say that because I remember when I was young. I'm not young like I used to be young. I remember I was young. You, you don't have to be young, but I remember being young and hearing different people talk about the favor of God, talk about the goodness of God. And I decided to orientate my life in that way, that I wanted the fullness of what God had for me in my life. I decided I didn't want to sell for anything less. I didn't want to sell for religion. I didn't want to sell for just turning up for church. I wanted the fullness of God in my world, and I decided to make room for God. And maybe you're a young person here today, and 
you're at the front end of the decisions of how you're going to shape your life, of the things you're going to go after, of what's going to own you, or of how you're going to orientate the priorities of your world. And I want to tell you today, if you make room for God, you will never miss out. The favor of God will be upon your life. It's like David, where God found him in a field. It says there was a boy, David, whose heart was beating after God. And God said, I'm going to anoint that. I'm going to bless that. And David, years later, writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. He says, Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. It's like if I tried to shake them off, I couldn't shake them off because God has poured his favor on me. But why did God pour his favor on David? Because he had a heart after God. He was a worshiper. Maybe you're in the middle stage of your life. You feel like life is passing you by. I want to say it's never too late to make room for God. It's never too late to say for the rest of my days, I'm going to make room for God. I, uh, you know, this lady, she's a well-to-do lady, but, you know, her husband is well advanced in years. She's probably ain't no spring chicken herself, but she says, I want to make room in my world. And then the favor of God comes on her life. We have to make decisions as to how we're going to live. And finally, making room for God raises the stakes. Can we say raises the stakes? Ah, she didn't know what she was getting into. This lady, she did not know what she was doing when she opened her door to the man of God because she opened her world to the things of God. It raises the stakes. I want to encourage us to be those that are willing to allow God to raise the stakes. For some of you, God wants to raise the stakes in your life. What am I talking about? I'm I'm saying there's a dimension of ordinariness in and around your world that God wants to deliver you from. We have to live lives of faithfulness and consistency and day in and day out and discipline and goodness and seeking to allow the ways of God to be outworked. And yet there will be those moments, if we make room for him, of God's supernatural intervention. We will find the stakes will get raised. And here, this lady, she sees some incredible things start to happen. The provision of a son. But you know, God does some amazing things in her life because she began to make room. I don't know if you're beginning to make room in your life. For us, we've decided to pursue intimacy with God. We have a core value on the church here of a passion for the presence of God. You know, people come here and they say, you talk about the, a passion for the presence of God too much. We'll say, well, you're in the wrong church because we, we're not going to apologize for that. We're, we're ruined for anything other than the presence of God. And if you're, if you're not bothered about that, if that doesn't float your boat, you know, maybe you're in the wrong church. But for us, we are undone for that we must have God. We must have the presence of God in our lives. But I have to make room for it. My Spotify playlist, what is on it? I've been singing this song, listening to this song, Heart Abandoned, recently. God, give me a heart abandoned, even after you alone. Gold and silver, you can take it. All I want is you, my Lord. And it stirred something of the life of God, a passion afresh within me. We have to make room for these things. But when we do, we find that the stakes get raised If we make room for God, he'll come and pull us out of ordinary into the dimension of a spirit-filled life where faithfulness and consistency are key, but anything can happen. You see, if you read on in the story, she gives birth to a son, but the boy grows, and a few years later, he becomes sick. 
And in a moment, like in a day, he becomes sick and he dies. He, he's got a headache and he's out in the field. Uh, and he says to his dad, dad, my, my head, my head. And he sends him with a servant and says, go and, and, and take him to the mum. And the Shunammite's there and the boy comes back in. His head's hurting. And he says, by noon, he was dead in her arms. She goes and she puts the boy on Elisha's bed. And she goes down. She says to her husband, I, I need a, a, a donkey because uh, I need to go and find the man of God. He says, what, what's going on? Is it, it's not a new moon festival or anything. And she says to him, it's all right. Wow. The, the boy has just died. And she says, it's all right. Why? Because I think she knows she needs to get to the man of God. She doesn't want the, maybe the lack of faith in her husband to deter what is in her. And she goes and she sets out to Mount Carmel where she understands Elisha is going to be. And Elisha was there. And Elisha and Gehazi spot her coming on the donkey. And Elisha says, Gehazi, it's the Shunammite. And he says, go, go and run to meet her and find out what she wants. Ask her, is her husband all right? Is her, is her son all right? And Gehazi comes in and he asks her and, and she says to him, everything is all right. Let me tell you, everything was not all right. She gets to the man of God. She has to get to the presence of God himself. And she says, did I not tell you, do not raise my hopes? And Elisha realized what's happened. And, and he says to Gehazi, take my staff, go as fast as you can. You get to my room, you put the staff on the boy's face. And he says, if anyone greets you, don't even speak to them. And then he follows behind and he gets there and he shuts the door. There's Elisha and Gehazi and he, he lays down on the boy. And his body begins to warm, and, and then the boy sneezes, and he comes back, and, and he opens the door, and he gives the boy back to the Shunammite woman. And you might say, well, what, what was all that about? Why, why the pain? Why that drama? But God was doing more behind her back than in front of her face. Because the famine is about to come to Shunaman. So she moves away for seven years at the word of the Lord with her family. And then she comes back to Shunem seven years later. And she needs to get her land back and her house back. And she somehow needs to gain an audience and influence with the king who, who makes the decisions over this sort of thing. And it just so happens at the very moment that she returns, you'll find it in 2 Kings 8, that Gehazi is talking to the king. And the king says, tell me about all the things that Elisha has done. And he starts to tell her, tell, sorry, the king about a woman who was barren and had a baby. And then the boy died and was raised to life. And at that moment, the woman knocks on the king's door. It says 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 3. At the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and land. The king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, said, tell me about the great things Elisha's done. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. And Gehazi said, this, this is the woman. And this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And the king asked the woman about it. And then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, You make sure you give everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day that she left the country until now. Because God was doing more behind her back than in front of her face. What, what appeared to be a disaster was her doorway for deliverance. Let me try over here. The, what she thought was a disaster was her doorway to deliverance. You know, sometimes 
If we make room for God, God will get to work in our lives. But the stakes get raised. You might say, I don't want to go through that level of drama in my life. Listen, do you want the touch of God on your life? Do you want the intervention of God on your life? The boy was all right. In fact, the boy stood before the king and his story was told to the king and the land and everything was restored unto them. I wonder if the band would come and join me as we draw to a close. What am I saying? I'm saying to you today that God wants to impact your world at a level that you haven't even dared to consider yet. I see all the time people that make room for God. If you truly make room for God, you'll see the supernatural dimension start to impact your world. Some things in your life will start to turn around. Some, some things will, will open up that you could not have conceived could open up. The favor of God can come upon your lives. So you just got to keep making room for God. She made room on her roof and God raised the stakes. You know, today, I, uh, sorry, last week, I mean to say I, I spoke to a guy called Richard Gamble. Some of you will have heard and, and if you haven't yet heard you'll begin to hear about a project called the wall of answered prayer there's a guy called Richard Gamble and and God he's a Christian leader and God put in his heart to build a monument a bit like the angel of the north on the side of a motorway with a million bricks with each brick representing an answered prayer and you know when God puts something like that in your heart he, do you know what most of us would say Lord please send somebody else Lord, it's a crazy idea, but God's on this idea. And so he starts to pray. He starts to make room for God to see if this is at all possible. I spoke to him on Friday because the, the monument's not going to be a million miles from here. Let me just say that. It's not been publicly announced. And, and you can Google Wall of Answered Prayer. And he said, if, if you could get the people of CLM to look at this and if they've got answers to prayer to start submitting them so their answered prayers can be part of the wall that's going up that millions of people are going to drive past and see as a monument and for every brick that goes in there's going to be a brick goes into social housing but he needs to raise millions of pounds and so he's praying about it he's just making room for God and gets connected to a family who give him a, a piece of land right by a prominent motorway and then he's praying about it because he really doesn't know any wealthy people and then he gets social media contact out of the blue from a guy who's not a Christian, but used to be at university with him 28 years ago. And he gets in touch and says, hey, Richard, are you, are you there? Are you alive? Do you remember me? And they hook up. And this guy has become a chief exec of an asset management fund in Canary Wharf, London. And they meet for lunch and he shares about how his career has gone through the roof and how he's made millions of pounds and all Richard can share about is a dream of building a wall a monument to the goodness of God and he starts to share about some answers to prayer and this guy is not a Christian when he says why did you get in touch with me he said I, I don't know he said I was walking over this bridge and you came to my mind and I couldn't shake it off and I thought I need to get in touch the next day he phones Richard up and, and he says, I can't get this wall out of my head. I've uh, like all through the night I've been thinking about this wall of answered prayer that you're talking about. And he said, I, I know lots of Christians in London who are high net worth people who, who turn over millions of pounds and I'd like to introduce you to as many that I know. And so Richard's now walking into the corridors of influence, meeting people. And this guy who's not yet a Christian is sitting there in all of these meetings. Who knows, God just raised the stakes.
you know, I, I, I share that story. It's unfolding, and I think Richard will come here and share that and some others himself in the next few months as this project gets underway. Why would he want to do it? Just out of obedience to God. He made room for God and God spoke to him because I believe God has got something in his heart to put a monument. It's not about the monument, but something that might challenge people to think God is alive today. You're going to be able to walk up to this thing and by using technology, scan a brick and immediately on your smartphone, read the story behind the brick of how God answered prayer. You'll be able to go on if you're going through a challenge. Maybe you've got a certain sickness. You'll be able to go in and, and put this sickness in and, and find all the answers to prayer. Who People got healed of the same thing that you're struggling with. And somehow we're going to get the word out that God is alive and well. You know, as we finish, I simply want to ask you, do you need to make room for God? Do you need to make room for God in your life? Maybe God wants to raise the stakes in your life. Maybe you're not yet, wouldn't call yourself a believer in Jesus. And maybe today you're, you're ready and maybe you'd want to say, I, I need to give my life to God. Well, you can do that today before you leave. Just come down the front and with myself, some other members of our prayer team, we'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet and you're not ready to commit, but there's something in you that today being here, you kind of say, I, I don't know about all of this, but I sense, I perceive there might be something. And maybe today you'd want to say, I, I just want to make a little room here that if God is real, I wouldn't miss that. He wouldn't pass me by Maybe you're a believer and in the, the busyness of life, the obstacles of life, apathy, challenge, hectic schedules. There's so much can crowd God out. And maybe today, you know, we, we enter a summer period, you know, summer can, can end up being a, a wonderful time of relaxation. It can also be a spiritually lazy time. But maybe some of us where we've actually got more time, we need to create some time. And say, I make a commitment today to make some room for God in my life. Maybe you've lost your way, you've lost some disciplines, maybe you just need to move to the next level of where you are. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you simply, if you want to respond to this message in any way, if it has spoken to you in any way, and you say, I need to make some room for God, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. We're going to pray, and then we're all going to stand. We're going to sing a final song. So just consider your own life where you are. Maybe it's time to say, God, I need to make room for you. I need to make room for you in my life. I've, I've allowed so many other things to crowd in. And the one thing I need more than anything is you. And if you'd like to respond, I'm going to invite you to stand right now where you are, right across this room. And if you're standing, I encourage you just to open up your own heart. You see, I can pray, but it's more powerful when you pray. Just take a moment. Maybe, maybe you're saying today, Lord, I've, I've allowed you to get crowded out, but the one thing I need, the one thing I need is you. And so I make room. Why do you begin to pray where you are and I'm going to pray for you? Lord, I thank you that what we prepare, you fill. I thank you that when we make room, you come in. 
I thank you, Lord, that every heart that is open and hungry, you respond to. I thank you, Lord, it doesn't matter how many times we've responded in this way. You don't turn us away. You don't question our response, but you open your heart to us. And so I pray for every person that responds in this moment. Lord, whatever needs to be done proactively, whatever needs to happen, Lord, you would give us the strength and the impetus to to roll out the decisions of our heart into our reality. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so on. And I pray, Lord, for every heart that is responding to you, that you would come and fill, that you would pour your favor, that you would raise the stakes. Every, Every heart that responds to say, God, take me to a dimension that I've not been to before, you would come and do just that. Oh, God. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just take a moment. If you're standing, breathe in the presence. The presence of God. Be filled, be renewed, be restored. Come, Lord. 